Hello, and welcome to Everybody A, Everybody Gay, a queer exploration of Pretty Little Liars. With your hosts, Speak Pirate, aka Joanna, I'm here, I'm queer, and I have a cat named Spencer. And your other host, Elsio123, aka Vina, a proud member of the Church of Vanderjesus. And today we are talking about Father Knows Best. Spoiler alert, no, he doesn't. It is, as the name implies, a dad-heavy episode. Uh, It's not the only episode where we ever get three fathers, because there were uh, a few episodes during Tom Marin's recent fuckboy period that had Tom, Byron, and Peter. But it is the only episode with the Wayne-Peter-Byron combo, and it's the last time we'll ever have this many dads in a single episode for the rest of the run. Uh, It's interesting that the dads, despite their absence, loom large in the lives of Aria, Emily, and Spencer, But not so for Hannah, probably because she spent the most time in therapy. But we also have Mona starting to pull some strings in her Mona face, Arya being mistaken for Vivian, and the mysterious disappearance of uh, Peter Hastings' gun. Ashley is being lured to the dark side, Hannah gets soapy with her cell phone, and we see the liar parents becoming increasingly aware of the particulars of the A situation. Yes, I had kind of forgotten just how uh, much the the moms are starting to become aware of A at this point. Um, I didn't realize that it happened so early on. And it is so interesting that like when the moms all congregate, it's a great thing. And it's like something that we celebrate. And with a dad heavy episode, it's like, ugh, all these dads, all these these dads we have to deal with. (laughs) All these dads being dads all all throughout the the plot. Yeah, it's a it's a lot. It is indeed a lot. Shall we dive right in? We shall. Uh, We open in Hannah's bedroom, lights off. Emily enters. Hannah turns on the light. What did they say? Emily, not much. Maya's parents found a note. It looked like she packed a bag. Emily turns the light off to signal the conversation is closed. Hannah turns it back on. Do they know where she went? Emily says, the cops were asking the questions, not me. Hannah claims that's not fair. Emily is Maya's girlfriend. Emily says, maybe. Maya hasn't returned any of her calls or texts. Anyway, she's tired. Emily turns the light off once again. Hannah immediately turns it back on to continue the conversation. Did you tell them that? Emily asks, that I'm tired? (laughs) Hannah says, no. About the texts, every detail counts. Emily says, no. I told them we got into a fight. She threatened to run away before she'd ever go back to boot camp. And that's what she did. Uh, Hannah, satisfied, turns off the light, assuring Emily that Maya will call. I love what they did with the light in that scene. It gave the whole thing an extremely sisterly dynamic. Totally. Yeah. Hannah's really channeling some Spencer energy in this scene, I think. And it's it's really interesting. You know, we've talked about how, like, Jenna as a character sort of exists in this place where she's always A and always not A at the same time. I feel like at this point in the series, Maya is existing in this space where she's Um, sort of maybe ran away and is like being rude to Emily and ignoring her calls and also maybe is in danger and has been kidnapped. And Emily seems to sort of go back and forth on what she thinks is going on in any given scene. Yes, I I definitely agree with that. Uh, I think that we'll see that throughout the next couple of, actually for probably the rest of the season until Maya's body is discovered where Maya could be uh, either dead or alive my 
my ruling on it tends to come down for dead because I feel like a lot of the communications or signs that people are reading to indicate that Maya is alive uh, could very well be manipulated by either Mona or Lyndon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And we'll get into this more over the next couple of episodes, but uh, I do think that there's a heavy dose of is Paige behind all of this uh, happening in this in this time period uh, oh go ahead no I, I definitely agree with that yeah uh so we our next scene we go to the aftermath of the uh melissa of spencer seeing melissa going off with garrett in the last episode um and they're having this confrontation here melissa is insisting that she was talking to garrett because he was ian's friend and has been really kind to her we learn that garrett's been accompanying melissa to her various doctor's appointments all lies because melissa is not pregnant at this point uh melissa says that she doesn't believe ian killed allison uh she's been wanting to talk to spencer about this for a long time melissa worries that she's shared too much with garrett including her concern that their father may have had something to do with Allie's disappearance uh Peter was relieved when Allie disappeared. Melissa had been sending Allison texts because, as she put it, she caught Allison flirting with Ian again. Ugh. Spencer still seems to think that maybe Allie did blackmail Peter. Uh, and it's it's really interesting because it's hard to know, like, what we, the audience, are necessarily supposed to believe here. Spencer clearly doesn't know what to think. Uh, Melissa, as we know, is definitely playing a game because... Uh, she seems to be pointing the finger at Peter. She is not actually pregnant at this point. And also, as we will later learn in the series, she thinks that she and Spencer basically tag team killed Allison. So nothing that she's telling Spencer here is true, really, other than maybe that she was sending Allison the texts. Which by itself is a pretty bombshell revelation that Melissa was sending Allison harassing text messages. Also... I think it's really, uh, it's a great character note for Melissa that when Spencer gets into the car, she wants explanations from Melissa. She wants to find out why did she leave to go with Garrett? What is she doing with Garrett? Uh, She's feeling like Melissa can't be trusted. And by the end of this conversation, Melissa has managed to turn it completely around to a question of whether they together, Spencer and Melissa, should trust Peter or not. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, Melissa has gotten Spencer to spill a bunch of information that Melissa wanted without having to do a lot of work for it. So Melissa really is... um, Melissa really is an unheralded queen of manipulation in the PLL world. Totally. And I mean, yeah, Spencer's whole journey with her various family members who may or may not have killed Allison in this episode alone, it's quite a saga. It really is. Oh, well, from whether we should trust one dad to what we should do about another one, uh, we move to Arya's bedroom. Ella comes in and announces that Byron is going to be back from his conference soon, and he's very excited for the daddy-daughter dance. Arya thinks it might be more irony than she can handle right now, because uh, she understands, in a way that Ella doesn't, that Ella has aligned herself with her teenage daughter's predatory man-friend, and Byron is now the enemy who's trying to keep the star-crossed lovers apart. Ella basically wants Arya to go along to get along. That's so Ella. Arya wants Ella to talk to Byron and convince him that dating your English teacher is totally fine. Ella 
has a different idea. What they should do is lie. Oh, Montgomery family. It is not even Arya's fault that she is like this. Also, how is that son of yours who was breaking and entering and suffering from mental illness so recently? Gosh, we haven't seen him since he punched someone in the living room. I'm sure he's fine. Oh, my God. Yeah, Ella Ella is really pulling some classic Ella moves in these episodes. Like, her whole, her whole plot line in these next couple episodes is like, I'm not fine with this, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Um, also, Arya's outfit in this scene, did you notice this? She has this... Um, this blouse covered in tiny, I thought it was a dress at first, but it's a blouse and skirt. She has a blouse covered in like tiny multicolored polka dots and this leopard print skirt that's pretty like long and flowy. It is quite a power clash. And in a minute, she's going to add an extremely severe jacket over top of it. I, I, I don't know if she's just trying to like, you know, if this is like a form of protest against Byron or what, but it is something. I kind of feel like they may have had like a costumer for these episodes who was very interested in jackets because we're going to see some jacket work uh, in the next, like in the next little bit of the run here that is going to merit some discussion, I think. Well, and you were commenting on the last episode that Spencer had quite the jacket when they went for the meeting with, uh, with Jonah. Yes, indeed. It's like the appearance of Red Coat has like transformed the jacket game of the other liars. Really. Uh, so over at the Marin house, uh, Ashley gets a call from Wilden at home about the police report. Wilden still thinks Hannah is responsible, but Ashley cuts him off. She threatens to go above his head and says he cannot call her at home anymore. And she hangs up the phone as Hannah comes in, and Hannah is kind of bummed because, surprise, surprise, Tom Marin has bailed on the father-daughter dance. Hannah tries to be okay about this, but is clearly super disappointed. Ashley offers to take her to the dance, which is so sweet. And Hannah, you know, she kind of makes some comments about how, you know, that's kind of pathetic for Hannah to go with her mom. Ashley says that she can take the heat. Hannah agrees. Uh, and they're going to go to the dance together, which is really good because, as we know, Tom Marin only likes to come into town when he can berate either Ashley or Hannah, preferably both of them at the same time. Exactly. At school, the liars get a text from A asking if their parents know they're watching murder mystery movies. The liars are completely convinced that Melissa is A, but Spencer defends her sister despite her whole argument basically being, she's my sister. Spencer, I'm sorry, but being related to you actually increases the chance someone is going to be A by about a thousand percent. The liars point out the many holes in Melissa's story and the weirdness of her alliance with Garrett. Spencer tells them she has an idea for how to get more info. She just needs more time. Yes, this is a classic liars. Do we or do we not go to the cops conversation? These happen so many times. Um, also, Aria makes sure to point out that, as she puts it, she got chased by a hobo for nothing, which, you know, Aria, who gets like the least from A, always has the biggest reaction. She's always the one that's like, but I was tortured by A too, but a bad thing happened to me too. Although, to be fair, we did hear a lot about the glass in Emily's hair. True. Very true. So Spencer arrives home to find a present from her dad. It is a very extravagant necklace with a note about looking forward to the dance. Uh, Melissa comes in and, and quickly surmises that Peter is trying to buy Spencer off. 
Before they can get too far into this conversation, Peter himself arrives. He fawns all over Spencer like he actually knows her name or her birthday. Uh, and, you know, Spencer looks sort of concerned about this whole thing. Yeah, it's so interesting because when Melissa and Spencer are discussing Peter, Spencer basically defends him using the same logic of because he's our father. And Melissa notably doesn't buy it. Uh, Melissa, I feel, comes off as smarter than Spencer a lot in their interactions in these two episodes, which I think is interesting. And also I love when Spencer... Uh, is kind of hugging her dad and she has all these feelings of distrust for him, but she's still so hungry for his love and affection that she is still like, it's still fulfilling a need for her. You see that on her face as Melissa kind of looks on skeptically. Yeah. I have a lot more to say about that later in the episode, but Spencer, yeah, I just feel so bad for her because it's like her family members are being as nice to her as they ever have been. Like, Peter and Melissa are being nicer to Spencer than, like, they've ever been. And it's because they're both lying to her and trying to manipulate her. And it's funny because Veronica, who she seems to be really at odds with in these episodes, is actually one of the only family members that's being somewhat honest with her. And same with Jason. A great point. It's like uh, our secrets keep us close has never been more true than it is with the Hastings family. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now it's the dark of night and Ashley is getting into Wilden's car. He has a request. He wants her to give him Hannah's phone so that he can know who she's been talking to, who she's been texting, what they've been saying. This is ostensibly in order to find out who gave her the police report. uh, But Ashley hesitates, although he is very insistent. Uh, He's saying that if we want answers, this is something that Ashley needs to do. Uh, making them into a we unit in the same way that Melissa was doing with Spencer in the earlier scene, also in a car. Uh, I'm really shocked that Ashley's even considering this. Wilden is far more likely to use anything on the liar's phones to try and pin the murder on them, again, regardless of any other circumstances. That is true. That is true. I do really enjoy this subtle shift in Wilden here, though, because it doesn't quite feel like he's taking joy and menacing them for menacing sake in the same way. He's now like got some real skin in the game. And you can tell he really does seem worried about this report and how Hannah got it. Completely agree. Yeah. Um, So basically on like the on the other side of the street, uh, Hannah and Mona are talking Mona inquires about Caleb, who is out of town right now. Uh, Mona says that she hasn't heard from A again. And she spins this whole story about, you know, how she's doing all this different community service for uh, for stealing that necklace. And oh, it's like just so difficult and so annoying. And she's making some problematic comments about this community, all these different community service things she's doing, which, you know, I feel like there are two there are two ways to read this. So could be that Mona is completely making up the community service, like just, you know, that she's spending those days like getting her nails done or something or doing a stuff. But I also kind of enjoy the idea that like part of the part of what gets her off with this whole adrenalized hyper reality is that she is living the lie and that she actually is doing the community service just so that she can like be that much more in it, like one level deep, one level deeper in the inception of all of this. I agree that Mona is probably doing the community service just because she is not going to 
fall down on making her story like fault proof you know like if any of the liars checked up on her she wants to make sure that her story checks out uh also i really like the way when when mona is making her problematic comments i think there's a reference to the short bus she does it in a way that hannah like calls her like mona and you know kind of upbraids her but like hannah does it in a way that is like mona definitely interprets it as flirting because it is right well and what's interesting is that like when hannah's with the liars she's the one who's making those comments you know and then and but like so it's like mona is almost like playing the part of hannah a little bit with hannah which you know tickles all her all of her stuff (laughs) um so this scene ends with them with mona of course pointing out wilden and ashley across the street who you know that mona led them right over to she definitely did uh, and that segues to at home uh, at the Marin house, Hannah confronts Ashley, who explains about having found the police report and enlisting Wilden's help to help keep Hannah safe. Hannah is aghast. Ashley insists that she knows someone is after Hannah. And if Wilden can help figure out who it is, he has as much at stake with that police report as they do. Ashley says that Hannah does not always know what's best. Hannah zings her with the news that if she's giving information to Wilden, neither does she. Hannah storms off, leaving her phone on the counter. Ashley stares at it, clearly tempted, even making a few steps towards it. This is such a great wordless shot. The lighting and the torment on her face make her look like Mildred Pierce. This plot line with Ashley and Wilden part deux is going to signal the eventual deterioration of Ashley's life into a film noir. Uh, but Hannah bursts back in and snatches her phone before leaving again. Woo. Why do you think that Ashley is considering making an alliance with Wilden here? Do you think she's just really, really desperate? Well, the other, uh, think about the other people that Ashley could try to align with. Um, She can't tell Ella or Veronica about her assignation with Wilden. Wilden is the only person who knows about that. And so to that degree, he still has power over her. True. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and, you know, he, he absolutely planned it that way. You know, I mean, he wanted to, to continue to have power over Hannah and Ashley. Oh, definitely. It's a feature, not a bug. Yes, exactly. Um, so Aria, Aria walks in on Mike shaving. Uh, and there's some comment about how Mike has to do this when Byron's away. Because, you know, I actually thought it was going to be because Byron is such a terrible father that he'd mock Mike and, like, take pictures Uh, And the pictures apparently are his sentimentality, but we all know Mike knows what Byron looks like when he's about to hit something, right? Uh, Yeah, Mike inquires about Arya going to the dance and suggests uh, that Arya go when she says that she's not going. Uh, He says that he knows that Arya is pretending to still see Holden, and I think this is because he's the one who is actually seeing Holden. I have that same note in my notes as well. Right? Right? The AU writes itself, guys. Um, also, as always, I like how Mike is so much smarter than Arya thinks he is. She always thinks that she can, like, talk down to him and outsmart him. And he consistently, like, you know, proves that he actually knows what he's talking about. Um, he points out here that not going makes Arya seem more suspicious. 
And he points out that Arya and Fitz being together has caused a lot of problems for everyone. If your relationship is so much trouble, why not just let it go? Why not indeed, Arya? But Arya, of course, gives him some goofy reply about how it's worth fighting for, no matter the odds, and flounces off to go write in her journal about how much she loves Prezra Fitz. Yes. Uh, you know, Arya's, Arya's like, when you love someone, it's worth fighting for, no matter the odds. And you know, so says the girl who has gotten her entire worldview from fairy tales and pop songs. Exactly. Oh, exactly. P.S. Mike is helping to DJ for the dance, which I don't I don't really know why they say that here, because I don't think we see him at the dance at all. But that's just a note of a thing that he does with his free time. Maybe he DJs some of uh, Holden's fighty fights or like <laughs> or like makes YouTube videos where he like puts them to music. Maybe he DJs some of Nolcon's parties very possible very possible that that is the fic i want to (laughs) see elsewhere emily is having coffee with wayne fields who is here for the father-daughter dance while pam stays in texas for a charity run i read this as another clue that there is trouble in the fields marriage also speaking of trouble with your partner the conversation turns to maya Emily admits that she's gone. They had a fight. She thinks Maya is crashing with friends in San Francisco, but Maya hasn't returned any calls or texts, and she just wishes they knew for sure. Wayne offers to help Emily put her mind at ease and suggests they investigate at the bus station. Yes. I mean, Wayne Fields is a much better father than any of the other dads on this show. Like, the bar is pretty low, but he really is a good dad. There's always something I feel like vaguely condescending about him like just just on the edge like there's just this little bit of this sort of like little ladying that I feel like he does with Emily um but it's I I I think it's completely well-intentioned and I I don't even know if it's to me it's probably more just a, a side effect of him being like a pretty thinly drawn character um but I don't know I I just always feel that like right on the edge of his scenes with Emily I agree I agree with that. I tend to read that as like being part of his whole military shtick sure. that he has going on. But I also think that he is at least like more actively engaged with her despite being away most of the time than many of the other dads are. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and he, he really is going to be genuinely helpful to her, which is more than we can say for just about every other dad on the show. It looks like you're going to get a lot of Hastings family and I'm going to get a lot of Wayne. So... <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Um, okay, so on to a very terrible father. Spencer is staring at the necklace when uh, Peter shows up. He invites her to throw another tennis match at the club, um, but she says no. Peter says that he should have let her pick out the necklace, um, and he says that they make a great team and that he's missed playing with her and that he made reservations at her favorite restaurant. And he sort of just, like, vomits all of this on her and then, like, really doesn't let her respond. She's just kind of left there, like, okay what do i do with this um peter leaves spencer but not before spencer can find out that he's going to be gone for a couple of hours spencer decides to do some digging while her dad is out and you really kind of see her considering all of this like her dad's being really nice to her melissa's also been really nice to her this is unfortunately all very suspicious and out of the ordinary She knows that she has to, like, she wants to be able to just, like, sit with this and accept it. But she knows that she has to, you know, she has to investigate. 
Um, so she goes to Peter's office. She flips through his calendar. She goes through his desk drawers. She finds a locked drawer. Um, and then she finds some files and she, she kind of combs through them and she finds some old, uh, some old uh, uh, check stubs and one withdrawal for $15,000 in cash. And I can t- just take us into this next part with Melissa. Melissa returns home. Spencer lies about needing a stamp, uh, gets, you know, pieces out of that, uh, out of Peter's office. Melissa clearly isn't buying this. Yeah. Spencer does not tell Melissa what she found. And also this is very like when Ashley would go out of the room for two seconds and Hannah would bring Caleb up from the basement. Like they would do that all the time. Even when Ashley had like, like her car was probably still in the driveway. Uh, This is the same timetable that Spencer uses. Obviously, you know, they're part of the British naval tradition to like lose not an hour. Like they are, the moment the parent is out of sight, they are engaging in hijinks. And so I felt like Peter might not have even been out the door before Spencer was down there (laughs) rifling through stuff. Like he might've been like pulling out of the driveway, going by the office window and still see her. Yes. Very true. Very possible. Uh, my advice is to, like, give it a few minutes. I mean, my my goodness. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not directing them. Uh, <laughs> elsewhere, Wayne and Emily are investigating at the bus station. Guy at the ticket counter bonds with Wayne over his army service and says that he did see Maya and sold her a ticket to San Francisco. But he also saw her outside talking to someone in a dark colored sedan. He was loading bags, turned around, and she and the car were gone. Can't say for sure whether she got on the bus or not. Again, I mentioned that Rosewood police are terrible and that you would think that they would have discovered this already. Yeah, this seems like a a pretty key piece of information here. And a pretty basic move. Someone is missing. Did they run away? Could we check the bus station? Could we do that? That's too much. That's too much to ask. Um, oh, man, this scene. Oh, boy. So Aria is in her room debating options for the dance when Byron sidles up behind her to offer some unsolicited advice and his version of humor, which is to talk about uh, the importance of his tie matching her dress. And he kind of makes like a comment about, you know, don't take too long to get ready. Already starting in on the shitty remarks here. Aria says that they don't have to do the matching tie, matching dress thing this year. And Byron, of course, makes the completely gaslighting remark of, what's different about this year? Aria just sort of tries to grin and bear herself through this conversation. And then Byron says the extremely vomit-inducing remark, this is the father-daughter dance, and I need to take my little girl. So is that too much to ask? Pardon me while I throw up for the next 1,000 years. Aria, um, you know, Aria's really like, she's trying to just play along, play it cool, not rock the boat here. Byron being such a manipulative son of a bitch. Ella overhears all of this. And I don't know really what we're supposed to take away from Ella's reaction. If Ella's like, oh, what a sweet display of affection between my husband and my daughter. Or if Ella is um, Ella is feeling negatively about this, one of the things I'll talk about this later, but I'll I'll just talk about it here too. Like one of the things that really bothers me about 
the framing of the whole Byron Aria conflict, I guess, if we want to call it that in this episode is like, it's being framed as this thing of like, Byron doesn't accept Presria and that's what makes him a bad dad versus the fact that like, there are multiple villains in this story. Like Presria is bad. And also Byron is a bad dad. Those two things are both true. It's like, you're actually reading from the notes that I took as well. (laughs) Um, because like we're supposed to think that Byron is wrong for uh, infantilizing his daughter, which he is, but that that is also why he isn't accepting the Presria situation. But I feel like you know the world is large enough for us to see Arya as a young adult finding her way in the world who doesn't need to be treated like she's five years old, but should still not be dating adult men. Also, why is Ella lurking outside the door? listening why like there's literally no reason that she couldn't just go into the room during this conversation yep yep well you almost get the sense that like byron and Arya haven't had an unchaperoned conversation in like weeks and they're not having one now because ella is lurking outside the door ready to like swoop in uh you know at, at the first sign of discord I think I think a strong headcanon could be made for Ella that Ella grew up in a home where there was a lot of like fighting and abuse because she, a lot of her reactions I feel like are that of somebody who is so terrified of rocking the boat and of people like being angry and of conflict um, that that she's like making terrible parenting decisions as a result of that. I think that that I think that that's totally valid. Uh, another question that I have about Arya and Byron's interaction in this episode, it, it seems bizarre to me um, be- that everyone previous to this, everyone was acting like everything was fine because Arya was dating Holden. Byron's been acting like that's fine. Arya's been acting like it's fine. Ella's been acting like it's fine. Since Byron doesn't technically know that she's back with Prezra. What does he think this new tension is about? Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. It's like, it's like with the inconsistency of her of her being grounded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe oh. maybe he feels like like something is up because of the letter that he got and all the tea that he drank. Um, but I just I I don't know. I feel like it doesn't totally it doesn't totally tally for me. Oh, no, I think I know what it is. I think it's because of the whole job offer thing. But why would he think that Arya would be mad about the job offer? How would he think that Arya would even know about the job offer? Oh, yeah. That's a good point. I mean, that explains the tension on Arya's side. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's, yeah, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> Next yet. Emily is getting out of the shower when her phone vibrates on the makeup table. She checks and it lists a missed call from Maya. She calls back immediately, but gets a message saying the voicemail box is full. So do we think this is Cousin Nate? I think it could be Cousin Nate. I think it could be Mona cloning Maya's phone. I think that there are a variety of possibilities. I, if I had to guess, I would say it's, it's Lyndon. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, so over at the Marin house, Ashley is washing dishes and, uh, Hannah comes down. She says that she's going to go out. 
it's really sad because this is the day of the dance here and uh, they were going to go together and it was going to be really sort of sweet and things are not very good between them right now. Ashley says that Hannah has one last chance to tell her about the police report. Hannah, you know, once again, she's in this very tough spot. She doesn't really say anything. Um, And so Ashley, like, that's the final straw. She says that Hannah has to give her her phone, which on the one hand, I mean, I, I, Ashley, the parents probably should be looking through the liar's phones, but also like this power play is not going to go over well with any teenager. Um, Hannah is really upset. She quickly clocks onto the fact that, that this was Wilden's idea. Ashley says, this isn't about Wilden. This is about you and me, and I'm trying to help you. Hannah, she is not going to be taken for this ride. She just walks right over and tosses her phone into the sink. This seems to be the season where Hannah is wrecking electronics in kitchen appliances because just a few episodes ago, of course, we had the flash drive in the blender. Ashley, I think it's time to break out the rice. Agreed. Uh, Hannah also has a penchant this season for destroying things with water. Like she knocked Lucas into the sea and now she's, you know, sending her cell phone into the watery depths of the soapy sink. Uh, So, yeah, Hannah is uh, Hannah's kind of on a water kick here. I think it's so interesting that she's doing this like she doesn't want her mom to turn the phone over to Wilden, but she also doesn't want her mom to know about A, because that's going to put her mom in danger the way that it put Caleb in danger. So she's really between a rock and a hard place. And Hannah is always one of the most impulsive or impetuous liars. And I love that she just like looks around her surroundings and is like, okay, this is it. Phone in the sink. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Didn't, didn't really think that one through, but, you know. <laughs> <sighs> um, outside the dance, Emily finds Wayne in his dress uniform. After all, it's a special occasion. She chides herself for making him look for Maya and tells him about the missed call. He says it only matters that they spent time together. He also tells her he's being deployed to Afghanistan within 48 hours. He'll be gone for six months. Pam is in Texas packing up the house. Uh, she takes his arm. And they go inside. I feel really badly for the tenants of the Fields house who rented this house, had a bunch of problems with the burglar alarm, probably because Mona was like sneaking around outside or hacking their system. And who are now apparently going to be displaced after a very short period of time. I mean, it's still November as far as we know. Yeah, yeah, the the sort of the field house over the course of the series like is always this sort of weird like amorphous thing like it's there are tenants living there and then the fields will move back at one point and then like the house gets a car driven into it and I feel like sometimes the house is like we don't even really know where it is like it just sort of like shifts locations like yeah maybe it like exists in different planes of time I like that and that's how, like, it's all happening at once. Like, there's a car being driven through it. Pam is there. The tenants are there. Allison is probably there sneaking through windows to look at Emily while she sleeps. Like, all of these things uh, are happening all at once. Like, it's string theory or something. It's like that Sandra Bullock movie, The Lake House. Yes. And there are lake houses on this show. So I, I rest my case. Yes. <laughs> it all lines up. It's so clear. Oh, man. Byron and Aria. Wow. They are uh, here at the dance. Uh, Byron tells Aria that she looks beautiful. She tries to hold back some vomit. 
uh, especially as Byron starts to get nostalgic, you know, talking about how grown up she is and all of that. Thankfully, Arya spots Hannah, who is, uh, you know, phoneless and here at the dance, uh, skulking around. Uh, Arya is all too happy to leave this terrible interaction with her father to go talk to Hannah. I also feel like it's so sad that Hannah, you know, she's like the one liar with a parent who has been, you know, consistent and present and willing to take her to the dance. I mean, Wayne is very happy to take Emily to the dance, but he hasn't been as, you know, physically present in her life as Ashley, of course. And she and Ashley are in such a bad space right now. Yeah, it's it hurts to see them. And like their journey here has been a long one like from Ashley you know the whole thing with Ashley and Wilden she got involved with Wilden to protect Hannah and now her desire to protect Hannah is still strong but Hannah needs different things in terms of that protection uh also I love that Hannah now cell phoneless is like she immediately has to resort to like furious hand signals to try to attract the attention of the liars who are at the dance I love that too I love that too um aria and mona and emily and spencer so mona in with the crowd appear at hannah's side full of questions about you know where is her dress where is her mom what's the emergency hannah explains that her mom is hot on the a trail mona asks what does that mean (laughs) uh she gave wilden the police report uh because she thought it was a threat which it was. Uh, They all talk at once. Arya is concerned about their moms looking for A, which uh, A does not like, etc. Spencer's freaked out about Wilden, and they need a creative solution. Would you like to talk about who might have a creative solution for the situation? Oh, I would. Mona has an idea. Uh, Spencer, who was kind of trying to, like, cut off the liars from getting too much into the A conversation sort of reluctantly gives Mona the floor. Mona sort of tucks her head down. She looks a bit sheepish. It's going to require a really big lie, and I'm terrible at that. And then she swivels to the girls and says, which one of you girls is best at hiding the truth from someone who's close to you? Oh, my goodness. Mona loves this. She is getting to be in her Mona face working in a scheme and ha- getting the liars to point out their liarness right there in front of her. Oh, this is like everything Mona has ever dreamed of. All of the non-Aria liars quickly point to Aria, which I love. You know, I love the idea that they've had um, like private conversations about how, um, you know, like how Aria ha- is, is such a good liar or such a bad liar. Aria just kind of says, wow, really? Thanks, guys. And uh, then she turns to Mona. Okay, Mona, what's my lie? Oh, my God. Mona being asked that question, the look on her face, she looks like she's about to have an orgasm. Like, she really does. Like, it's just, like, this is everything Mona has dreamt of. This is, like, this is, like, it's, like, I I just feel like all of the things that Mona has been setting into place over these last two seasons, which could have been a year or could have been a couple of months. We don't really know. It's like, this is, this is it here. She's like cresting into this moment. 100%. Mona is just like, everything is paying off for her. It's like, she's, been pulling like the arm of a slot machine and it's just coming up like cherry 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 like the the you know lights are going off the coins are coming out this is where mona is 
at this point. Um, yeah, it's it's going really well for her. And I love that she is now able to manipulate them in the same way that A manipulates them, but she's doing it in her Mona face. She's doing it without attracting their suspicion. Yeah, and, and she's doing it like she's doing it from a place of being on the inside versus being on the outside. And I have to say, uh, Mona is way better at scheming than any of the other liars are. Like, scheming is really her strong suit. And I think that uh, if Spencer had any sense, she would realize that a good, like, uh, I don't know what they could, like, designate Mona, like, their scheming organizer or their, like, uh, director of creative thinking, whatever it is they want to tag her, uh, they should really give Mona that position because her scheme here is a pretty interesting one. And it, you know, and it makes me think about how, like, later in the series, they, like, they, have, they should have let Mona in. They should have let Mona be a liar because, like, Mona would be so good at helping them, and she always was helping them in her way, and also like kind of working against them, but like. It just, like, they could have solved so much if they just would have forgiven her and let her in. And everything is so much more fun when Mona's around. So much more fun. So much more fun. Back to things that are not fun. Spencer (laughs) is getting a photo taken with her dad. He tells her to smile. Then she's dancing with him. Peter, like Byron, feels that it's not enough she's engaging in this ridiculous tradition to make him happy. She's not acting happy enough about it. He offers to get the DJ to pump up the jams. He tells her that he's really trying. He is again borrowing from the Byron playbook. Uh, He admitted that he did the bad thing, so now it's over. How could anyone still be upset? Spencer pulls him off the dance floor and confronts him about the check stub she found. Peter deflects with anger at her for being in his desk, but still insists he did not give Allie any money. Spencer is over it and wants to go home. She walks off and leaves him standing there, looking like a man who is thinking about the unpleasantness of uppity ladies. I love. I do love, though, how Spencer, like, brings up it up again and, and then is like, I don't want to talk about this. I want to go home. Like, that's a power move right there. Uh, also, I was just realizing that all of the non-Wayne Fields dads cheated on their wives byron cheated on ella peter cheated on veronica and tom cheated on ashley and we don't know that wayne didn't cheat on pam like we if if that happened we're unaware of it but i mean he's gone so much of the time um i i can't totally guarantee his fidelity i feel sure absolutely absolutely Oh, Aria uh, approaches Byron and asks them to leave, saying that Hannah leaves her. Byron responds, I just saw Hannah. She looked fine. Byron Montgomery, you do not get to comment on the fineness of Hannah Marin. Aria knows Hannah Marin. You are not Hannah Marin's friend. Um, Aria, though, she's like had enough of this. She's been playing nice all night. She can't do it anymore. She says, I'm not your little girl anymore. And she apologized to apologizes to him byron gets this like thousand yard stare like he looks like aria has just like sliced a dagger through his heart he stares off stunned and wounded aria kind of hilariously just like looks at him and like 
sort of like walks away like well that's done um leaving byron standing there so upset yes if peter looks like he was thinking about the unpleasantness of uppity women as spencer walked away byron is standing there looking like a man who's thinking about the unpleasantness of women who act like they're not the property of men in this moment yeah exactly well you know it kind of reminds me of um what was the episode where Arya asks how prez was doing and he says that he's numb just like the stupidest (laughs) reply how are you numb i feel like if somebody asked byron right now how are you he'd just be like numb that is a great call out because my note on this scene is you know byron is like being such a baby about wanting them to get a picture like is this so he can pretend that they had a nice time or something? Oh, it's, it's because they always get a picture. Uh, and you know who else would act like a man baby in this situation? One Prezra fits, like Arya's own little man baby predator. Uh, I feel like Byron's behavior here is extremely similar to what we would see from Prezra himself. Prezra and Byron are so the same person. Like, there's we just see example after example of that it's really true and it's really like if byron looked in the mirror for like two seconds i feel like he might actually be able to understand something about what's going on with his daughter but uh when he stares in the mirror he's not he's just thinking about how handsome he is and how smart he looks he's not actually doing a lot of self-reflection i don't think i think when when byron looks in the mirror though like he sees Prezra like he like he thinks that he looks like what Prezra looks like yeah yeah I I agree have you seen the movie American Psycho yeah I saw like part no I know I have seen that whole movie or I've seen part of it yeah there are a lot of like really disturbing moments of that movie where he's like looking in a mirror and just like thinking about what a you know what a hot animal he is and I feel like when Byron and when Prezra look in the mirror it's it's kind of like that yeah yeah i totally agree uh but back at the dance spencer is now outside uh where she sees someone roll up on a motorcycle they're in leather and a helmet covers their face toby she says hopefully the rider roars off and does not stop i like to imagine this was Paige mccullers i really like that and i like to imagine spencer uh spencer singing cool rider from greece too to Paige McCullers. <laughs> As Paige circles back and picks Spencer up from her disappointed evening with her dad. Yes, yes. And yes, for those at home, I'm unsure if I've seen American Psycho, but I just made a Grease 2 reference. So that gives you a sense of (laughs) my taste in movies. (laughs) Um, Emily and Wayne are like the only only successful member of this group left. They are dancing. Emily wants to know why her dad didn't tell her right away when he showed up about his deployment, uh, saying that she could have handled it. Wayne says that he couldn't have handled it and he needed to spend this weekend with her. And nobody stomps off upset here. They actually just like keep dancing and having a pleasant moment together. Meanwhile, Hannah stands in the middle of all of these girls and their dads. She looks sort of sad and wistful for a minute. And then she just kind of shakes it off like onto the next thing. Uh, Yeah, props to Wayne for being the only one of the dads who 10 minutes in his presence doesn't make the daughter want to run for the hills, as we have seen uh, from the other father-daughter pairs. Also, uh, 
when Hannah is standing in the middle of the dance floor, which is all these dads dancing with all these daughters, the music, presumably chosen by Mike Montgomery, is a song about lovers. This, this dance is gross. <laughs> it is. And, you know, I had forgotten how this episode ended, and I so wanted Ashley to show up in this scene. Um, like, I know that that's not what this episode is, but, like, I so wanted her to show up and for them to, like, have a moment together. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that would have been, that would have been nice. Uh, in the Marin kitchen, oh boy, Aria is here to make a confession. She sent the police report to Hannah. She's known for a while that Hannah's been shoplifting again. Hannah wouldn't listen to any of them when they told her to stop. Ari was afraid Hannah would go to jail if she got caught again, so she sent her the report to scare her straight. Where did she get the report? She made it up in a Photoshop class. She's A. A for Aria. A for Anonymous. Uh, those are opposites. <laughs> if you're saying that you're signing your name because it's your first initial, you can't also say you're signing an A for anonymous. Um, I that 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 moment really like undercut the story for me, and I think for Ashley too. Um, Ashley, once Aria finishes this uh, this whole spiel, Ashley just kind of sits there and says, "This is quite a story." <laughs> And it is! I love how Mona is now, uh, you know, kind of making them puppets in, in her actual Mona face. Uh, Ashley thanks Aria for talking to her, and then Aria leaves. Oh, man. This is such an interesting scene. Um, yeah, the liars, the liars, like, calling themselves A or confessing to being A, like, that just pushes all of Mona's buttons, you know. Uh, but Arya being like the first one to do it and to do it so unconvincingly, like props <laughs> to Lucy Hale in this scene. Like she says all of the lines like she's reading off a script. Um, like she herself doesn't believe them at all. You can tell that they just like came up with this plan in the car, even though Mona's <laughs> probably been working on this plan for weeks. Um, and I like how like you know that the plan being bad is all part of Mona's plan. Like you know that Ashley not buying it is part of the plan. Which is so great because Mona, of course, knows Ashley really well. Um, but yeah, this is just, I love, I, I just love the way that this lands, like, with just this giant thud. And I love the way that it lands with a thud because Arya is unconvincing in this role. You know who would be really convincing? Mona Vanderwall. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Or... Even I think Spencer, I think Spencer would probably be more convincing um, because I think Spencer has a lot more A en energy in her than she'd even like to admit. That's definitely true. Yeah. And speaking of Spencer, Spencer and Peter are back home, back in Peter's office. Peter's gun is gone and he is very concerned. He quickly calls the police and Spencer spies a file full of photos of Allison. Yeah, so I think, like, we're supposed to uh, look at that and think that these are, like, stalker wall-level pictures. Right. Uh, and, of course, Spencer steals the folder because she's Spencer. <laughs> um, but 
I was really wondering why do you think Spencer does not look at these pictures and come to the conclusion, given recent events, that Peter might be Allison's father too? Oh, that's an interesting idea. Um, Yeah, I think because she's so much on the sort of train of her dad is her dad is a killer you know her dad is bad like melissa has has so much planted that seed in her brain that's kind of what i think but that is a really good point and and that always felt like the inevitable conclusion to that whole storyline that somehow they never went there yeah i don't know how they didn't but uh yeah i long expected and i i feel like uh whatever season they would be on now it would have already been revealed uh, that Peter is Allison's father as well. There was that was like there was a recurring joke on the Bros Watch PLL two podcast, and they said that they always wanted, and I always wanted this too, for Peter to walk up to Ken and be like, "Ken, I'm the father of all your children." <laughs> He's probably Ken's father too. I mean, <laughs> Peter Peter gets around. That's that's just the size of it. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting that they that they didn't go there. I feel like also I was surprised that Peter didn't turn out to be Charlotte's father. Although I'm glad I'm glad he didn't because I like to ship Charlotte and Melissa. Um, but it really seemed like it really seemed like anyone of unknown parentage. In it's like on days of our lives when anyone who comes to town and isn't sure of their parentage is going to wind up being the kid of either John Black or Stefano. Uh, anybody of unknown parentage in Rosewood is like 80% likely to be an offspring of Peter Hastings. Also, it's so disappointing. I mean, I am glad that Peter's not Charlotte's father, but Pastor Ted, Pastor Ted is Charlotte's father. Like that is, I don't like that. I agree. Yeah. That's disappointing. Charlotte deserve, deserves better. I mean, in many respects. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would have liked it to tie back into the liars in a, in a different way. I would have liked it to be Byron or Byron's uh, insane brother, etc. Oh yeah. Yeah. That would have been good. Uh, so Byron, uh, speaking of him, he comes into Mike's room to ask sorry, him. Just, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. To interrupt. I just have to say Byron's insane brother played by Rob Lowe. Yes. <laughs> would have been perfect (laughs) byron comes into mike's room to ask him if he had a good time at the dance considering it's not for sons Ugh. (laughs) mike did byron wants to know if he's seen aria mike has not but asks his dad if he thinks he's been too hard on aria he asks if byron knows why aria lied about mr fitz um because she's being manipulated by a predator but byron doesn't know mike thinks maybe he should ask hmm why didn't this scene end with byron telling mike that he'll always be his little boy (laughs) is it because that would be creepy (laughs) (laughs) oh my god like byron's just like going to all his kids and trying that light on to see how it'll land. <laughs> there really is this vibe, though. Like, Byron goes over to Arya's room. She's not there. And he sort of, like, sidles up to Mike's door. And there is really the sense that he's like, hmm, maybe I can manipulate and gaslight this kid a little bit. Because my favorite target isn't home right now. Yes, it definitely feels that. Like, it just, um, 
everything about this conversation is really emphasizing that Mike is his second choice. Like, did you have a good time at the dance, even though it's not for you? And even though I didn't talk to you even one time while I was there? (laughs) Or presumably drive him home. Like, how did Mike get home? (sighs) Also, Also, who's DJing the dance now? Because it seems like the dance is maybe just wrapping up. Mike looks like he's been in, in bed reading for the last two hours. Maybe Mike, uh, maybe DJing the dance was like uh, Mike's fake activity, knowing that Byron would never even think to look for him. And he was out having a fake date with Holden. Yeah, yeah, I like that idea. Holden was showing him how to fighty fight. Uh, so Spencer, who is just like, Spencer is like, she's had it. She's like, I'm not participating in all of these lies anymore. I find some dirt on my family member. I am showing you the dirt. So Spencer shows the alley file to her dad. Uh, he says that he gave those photos to a private investigator. Why he needed to give like 8,000 photos of Allison to a private investigator, I don't know. Um, but Peter hired a PI to look into her disappearance. Uh, Peter says that he thought someone close to him was involved. Spencer assumes he means Jason. Peter says that it was actually Melissa that he was worried about. Peter, you know, he's just playing a numbers game here, seeing which child of his is most convenient to be on the hook for Allie's murder this week. Spencer, of course, is now forced to play a similar game as both Melissa and Peter are each pointing the finger at each other. Oh, Hastings family. Peter says that he was willing to pay for answers. And then the police arrive and he sends Spencer upstairs. Yes. Uh, Upstairs, Spencer stares out of the window like she's in an art house movie. (laughs) Melissa appears behind her, startling her. Uh, Melissa wants to know why the cops are talking to Peter. Spencer explains about the stolen gun. Melissa says she was watching a TV show in the barn and fell asleep. The lights woke her. Spencer says she thought the TV in the barn was broken. Melissa doesn't know she was watching the show on her laptop. She needs to get out of there. Too much is happening with Jason and their dad and the blackmail. She very earnestly tells Spencer that if things get weirder, she can always come and stay with her in the city. Melissa holds her hand and promises to keep her safe, which is such a nice touch since Melissa actually does think that Spencer did it. Yeah, I, I, I have a similar note, you know, that, that sort of the irony in all of this is that Melissa is telling Spencer like one million lies at this point and will continue to do that. And yet keeping Spencer safe is something that she will also continue to do and has done uh, in the past, according to what she believes about what happened. Do we think at this point that Melissa has told their dad what happened? Um... Well, okay, I can't remember if this was, like, headcanon or if this is actually something that happened, but do we eventually find out that they lied about being worried about Melissa and that they actually hired the PI because they were worried about Spencer's involvement? Maybe. Okay. Maybe that happens. I don't, I don't know. A lot happens with the whole Hastings and the private investigator beat. Yeah, and the whole, like, what actually happened in the yard that night and then we get the whole retcon about spencer having been on drugs the whole time um so i i don't i don't know i think it's too early to make that call okay okay yeah um ashley has called ella over for coffee talk she tells her she didn't buy aria's tail ella doesn't think aria would make something like this up oh honey (laughs) 
Ashley believes someone is after their daughters. This A person has them terrified. Ella again says uh, that about a year ago, the writers have no sense of time. A wrote to her about Byron's affair. She also doesn't want the police involved as A knows things about Aria, but could hurt her. We see that someone is watching the two pretty little moms from outside. Meanwhile, Hannah is up in Aria's room wanting to know if her mom bought it. Who knows? Does Aria feel guilty? Yes. No. Who knows? Just then their phone rings. And because the writers didn't pay any attention to how they were previously talking to Jonah on Emily's phone, it is Jonah. That's right. Um, yeah, this Ashley Ella scene is really interesting. You know, Ella, of course, says that she doesn't know what to do. She never does. Um, and she she just wants, you know, she just wants Ashley to make the call. It is kind of like Aria is Ella's daughter because Aria is also the liar that would be like, I don't know what to do. Um, but, you know, I think it's Ashley who has this line. We owe it to ourselves and our daughters to get some answers, which is, I feel, a great line out of context. But considering how terrible Ella has been, I'm like, eh, I don't want Ashley to be making an alliance with Ella. Ella is, Ella is being kind of awful. Um, oh, go ahead. If anything, I would hope that maybe Ashley would be a good influence on Ella. Like if Ashley found out about the Presra situation, she would be like telling the police herself. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, she would. Um, so the liars arrive in Brookhaven at a location where Vivian was supposedly also receiving texts from, according to Jonah. Um, they think that this means that Melissa was telling the truth, that Allison was getting multiple uh, menacing anonymous texts. Uh, the liars say that they don't know what they're looking for, but then they see a super creepy doll hospital, which, you know, safe bet that that's probably what you're looking for, especially when Emily points out that the dolls in the window look like the creepy Chucky dolls that A sent them. The liars are officially over-liking dolls. Aria is chilly and goes to get the red coat from Spencer's trunk, which uh, kind of weird to me that like everybody would be just so cool with Aria trying on this piece of evidence that's from their dead friend, but okay. Aria, yeah. I would have liked it more if Spencer had taken off her own jacket and put it gently over Aria's shoulders. Well, <laughs> of course, but of course. Um, again, Thick writes itself, guys. Um, so there's this really great shot where Aria pulls on the coat, you know, pulls her dark hair up over the collar, uh, kind of fastens the coat around her. And somebody who is behind her, who can't see her face, calls Vivian. Aria swivels around. We get this kind of like noirish shot of her looking kind of curious, maybe a little bit suspicious. Um, still think it's weird that Aria is wearing this coat, but I do love her being mistaken for Vivian. This guy, this young blonde man, who we will later learn is Duncan the teen pilot, uh, but who now we just know is young blonde man, looks at her. On to the A tag, the black gloved hands purchase a copy of the Rosewood Observer. Maya's photo is on the front page, but isn't the headline because racism. A opens the paper to see the block letters declaring missing girl. Yes, Maya is officially missing. Yes, yes. So let's talk about the dads. Uh, do you think they become scarcer after this point because the liars aren't their little girls any longer? Or is it the nature of a female-led show that the liars are generally going to be closer to their moms? 
I think that's true. I mean, I think in general, you know, as the show goes on, we do move further away from, um, you know, further away from the school, further away from, uh, I was going to say further away from the moms, but the moms actually stay pretty present. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I do think like there's a big supporting cast to juggle. We're going to focus in more on the teen characters, I think, you know, as like Paige and Lucas and, and Caleb and Toby and, you know, some of these teen characters become more present. Um, and I just think that the dads are not as interesting as the moms. I mean, we just named the fact that like, we have three, three affairs between them. I think the writers kind of didn't necessarily really know what to, what to bring to the table for the dads. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. Um, and Byron, I think we think of him a lot of times as, as maybe being the worst dad. He's really uh, in competition with Peter for that title. Byron is sort of the worst because he's around a lot more than Peter yes. is. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Um, yeah, he, I would say, is the most present dad, which is interesting that Aria, who is with Ezra, is has the dad that seems to be around the most. Um, but he's also, like, a very terrible father. When I was doing episode comparisons for, uh, like, if this was the last time that we saw three dads, and I, I was pretty sure it was, but I was checking those stats, and I saw that um, Byron, although he is around more than the other dads, he's actually in fewer episodes than Veronica, Oh, that's interesting, especially since it seems like the joke is always that Spencer's parents are out of town. Yeah, which is hilarious because if Spencer's parents uh, feel like Spencer might potentially be the one who murdered Allison, it seems like not a great idea to constantly be leaving her unattended in their empty home. Just just a thought that I have. Yeah, the Hastings in general, like they seem to just kind of avoid Spencer as much as possible. Like They're like, eh, we don't really want to deal with Spencer's whole thing. Yeah, maybe murdered a girl thing. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, really, at the end of the day, Ashley Marin should just adopt all of the liars. Be be done with be done with their dads. Pam Fields can come over and 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 you know bake them cookies and stuff and and maybe help co-parent. So in this episode, uh, you know, we talk about whether Peter's the worst dad or Byron's the worst dad. Uh, in this episode, where they are both present, who do you feel like? Who do you feel like is the worst dad of the episode? I think Byron. I think Byron. I kind of agree because even though Peter is still keeping a lot of secrets, even in this episode, you do get the sense that he's interested in protecting his kids. Whereas Byron uh, is really just interested in like his version of what he wants things to look like. Yeah. And I feel like it's a little bit of like, a Ren Presra situation where Peter is objectively like a terrible father and husband and kind of a terrible person. I just find him to be a more interesting, engaging, fun character than Byron, who I find pretty insufferable most of the time. Um, and I, I can't really pinpoint why. I don't even know if it's necessarily a fair judgment, but that's just where I'm at. And I don't know if you have the same feeling, but Well, I feel like you probably should not take either the Hastings or the Montgomerys as like a model for what your marriage ought to look like. Uh, 
for sure. Um, but I feel like there are ways that you can look at Veronica and Peter and see that even with all of the affairs, even with all of the lies, even with all of the secrets, uh, even with everything, you can see that there are ways in which Peter and Veronica are a good match. You can understand why those characters are together. The same cannot be said, at least for me, with the Montgomerys. Like, yeah. They are terrible for each other. Byron has nothing but contempt for his wife. Like that is a uh, like that kind of makes him worse. I think is that he uh, he's kind of like exposing everyone to like this really toxic idea that like this this relationship that he and Ella have. This is how you should treat your partner because woof, it is not. You should leave your partner and you should take up with Noreen if your husband treats you like Byron Montgomery does. Well, and I, I also think that even though Peter is, like, a total cad who sleeps around a lot, my sense is that Peter, like, he respects Veronica, and he actually, like, respects his daughters to a certain extent, and just, like, in general respects women more than Byron does. Um, he, he just loves women so much, he can't keep it in his pants. But, like, he seems to respect, like, strong women. Like, think about you know, Veronica, Jessica, Mary, those are all some like formidable women who would, you know, they're not going to just lie down and, and roll over for him. True. And Spencer and Melissa do wind up as very strong and formidable women. Um, like it, it's almost like Peter's, the combination of Peter's love and Peter's mistakes make Spencer and Melissa stronger Whereas Arya also becomes like, I mean, she's strong. I don't think she's formidable in the way that Spencer and Melissa are formidable. She certainly winds up in a relationship that is unfortunately going to mirror her parents. But like she turns out okay, kind of in spite of Byron's lies and mistakes. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's more of an accident. And I would say, I mean, I don't think Byron respects women at all. I think he thinks that women are, are completely inferior and... And yeah, I mean, I think that this episode is just proof of that with all the little girl talk. Yeah, if it's a question of which dad sees their daughter most clearly, I think that the answer to that is probably Peter. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably true. Um, and yet, I, in some ways, I think Peter is a more checked out father than Byron. So it's funny, like, it's funny how it works. I also think that, I think that... Um, yeah, I think that Peter and and Spencer are probably more similar than Byron and Arya. If you ask me which father is doing the best job of preparing his daughter for the world, my answer for that would probably be Tom Marin because he's teaching her that men cannot be counted on and are only going to disappoint her throughout her life. <laughs> this is true. This is true. It's also interesting how um, Spencer ends up with a man who is like, the opposite of peter you know that's a really good point yeah yeah i wonder how much Paige mccullers is like peter <laughs> spencer's spencer's true <laughs> otp true love yes but anyway um do is there more you want to talk about about the dads no, I think we've had uh, I think we've had more than enough daddy daughter drama for this particular episode Yes, yes. Well, next week we will be on to Eye of the Beholder, um, which, of course, is the episode where Arya flies a plane. So I'm excited to talk about that. 
Um, you can, uh, you can email us if you have thoughts on who the worst dad of this episode is. Um, if you have thoughts on Aria's wacky outfit, if you, what else should they email about? Uh, if you have thoughts about Mike Montgomery and what he was playing while he was maybe DJing, DJing the dance. What a weird thing to include. Like you said, like there was no reason to include that. I'm so bummed that we didn't at least get like a shot of him over uh, over at like, you know, the the tables where he would be spinning. like, also, did we know the name of his friend who was DJing the dance? Was it Noel? Because it seems like something Noel might do. It wasn't Noel. It wasn't there was a name, but it wasn't Noel. I think he has like a Mike has like an off screen friend who we hear like Russell or something like that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I was um. I was just listening to uh, to Ellen Back, which is an L Word podcast, and they were talking about the episode where Carmen is DJing at a club and she's wearing like a fedora. So I was imagining Mike in a fedora over by the tables. Um, sadly, we only get to see it in my imagination. Yes, it is very sad, but we can we can have all sorts of thoughts about Mike Mike Montgomery, teen DJ. <laughs> oh but yeah uh, so yeah email us or check out our instagram uh at everybody everybody a podcast everybody a podcast or um at everybody a podcast at gmail.com um or send in a reading and review on itunes we would appreciate it yep till next time take care bye